On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, there is a civil war going on in the Tory party. Is that news? Uh, There has been for many decades, but it came out in the party conference during the week. And that's after that mini budget, which was just a financial disaster and arguably quite a political disaster as well. So where does the party go? If you read the British papers this morning, they're talking about splits. They're talking about fragmentation. There seems to be two wings yet again emerging. And it's really very much an internecine picture. George Parker is the Financial Times political editor and he's on the line to talk to us here and on the record. Good afternoon to you, George. Afternoon. You've had an interesting few days at the Tory party conference. As ever, there seems to be two wings. You've got Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary. She seems to be leading one group of people. You've got another group saying we need to be more moderate. We need to respond to some of the concerns of recent days. I mean, is this a party that at the moment is just irredeemably broken down the middle? Or or is this just something that comes up at a party conference and they'll be able to paper over it in time? I think if Liz Truss was just dealing with one split, I think it might be convenient for us. The party is split. In, it's like a sort of broken mirror at the moment. Lots of different factions, all of them united in one thing, which is they think the government's mucks up the economy in the last couple of weeks with crashing the markets. And a large number of people that I was speaking to at the conference in Birmingham thinking that Liz Truss's days as Prime Minister are numbered. And that's a pretty remarkable thing when you consider she's only been there for a month. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the party's in a state of some disarray. And I predict it's going to get even worse in the next couple of days because that's when MPs come back from their constituencies, back to the House of Commons after a, week, a break of several weeks. They'll all be comparing notes and the mood, I can predict, will be absolutely terrible. I mean, obviously people are hacked off. There's a great deal of disaffection. But, I mean, I can't, or maybe I'm wrong on this, but I can't see them wanting to embark on another fresh leadership campaign. So in a strange way, despite all the mistakes and the problems with the markets, is Liz Trust the only game in town for all these MPs? I mean, they may not like her, but who else is out there? Obviously, there's Boris Johnson, but I mean, they're so recently just came through a bruising leadership contest. Does that mean that she kind of has to stay for now? For now, yes. But I mean, there are plenty of people who think that she's not going to make it through to the next election. The problem is you've got 350-odd Tory MPs all staring humiliating and crushing electoral defeat at the next election, if the opinion, current opinion polls to be, to be believed. You know, the Tories trailing by between 20 or 30 or 35 points in the opinion polls. Liz Truss's favourability ratings are a record, minus 58, I think I saw one in that poll. <laughs> That's um, which is worse, worse than Boris Johnson ever recorded in the depths of the Partygate scandal. And that was just put that in context. Her net favourability, uh, sorry, her favourability rating is plus four, is fourteen. Her negative is about minus seventy something. So this is some. You know, normally, as a new leader, you get a honeymoon, don't you, and a bit of a bounce. And that's what the Labour opposition here expected. They thought that by Christmas, this trust would enjoy a bounce, and she might even be ahead in the opinion polls. In fact, the opposite's happened. So you've got all these Tory MPs nervously looking at the, the possibility of a wipeout. And yes, you think it would make them look absolutely absurd to be choosing another leader a month after choosing the last one. But a number of them are talking about this now because I think not just as she mucks up her first big and single biggest act, which is this new economic plan, but they can't really see any way out of it for her. So that's the um, that's the conundrum that's facing them. I mean, is, is one way out to sort of slowly walk back this budget and, and rescind some of the items? That obviously, they've already taken the 45p, which was a concession to wealthier British taxpayers. I mean, is there other parts of that budget package they can kind of wind in to, to sort of mollify people or, or, or is that a step too far? 
I think they're going to have to, um, because I, th I don't see any other way that they can make the sums add up, and that's ultimately the problem. This is just basic arithmetic. Um, and if they do retreat, then of course it takes away the main purpose of Liz Truss's government, which is to give the British economy a bit of electric shock treatment, cut taxes, cut regulation. It, just to put it very simply, the government's created a £43 billion permanent hole in the public finances with these unfunded tax cuts. And to try to fill that hole in and reassure the markets, they've got a couple of pretty unappetizing choices. One is they start cutting public spending, which has already been cut pretty much close to the bone by this government. Um, and we've had a bit of a discussion the last few days about whether they might cut benefits in real terms, but that's been pushed back by a Tory rebellion already. So if cutting spending is not a massive option. Then the other thing they can do is take a number of measures which would notionally increase the growth rate of the British economy, which is what this trust session wants to do. But if you look at all of them, every single one might incrementally increase growth a bit, but cause massive, massive political problems. I'll give you one example, restarting fracking, already being opposed by many people. She has a policy of letting people build on nature habitats, or at least loosening the protection for nature habitats. That's got the National Trust and the RSPB up in arms. And those are, those are organisations which represent middle Britain and a very large number of Conservative voters. Um, well, could, 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 George, could I, could I bring in another item that we, on this side of the IRC, ha have an attention on, which is the Northern Ireland Protocol? Mm, I sure. mean, I mean, could that come into the pot in terms of things that, like, I, I know that she's became a Eurosceptic sort of after having a different position, being a Remainer, but is it possible good news there, a deal of some description, the, the power-sharing executive backup and running in Northern Ireland? I mean, something she might not have been that, you know, focused on, but that might be one of the few areas where she can derive some positive news if, if a deal was to be had. I mean, is that possibly a source of some kind of a bounce for her, or do, or do you see that as kind of a, a more of a peripheral issue in, in terms of British politics? I don't see it as peripheral at all. I think, I think it is very important. I think that's the one bright spot on, on the horizon, actually, as far as our government's concerned, that they have been prepared to actually engage much more constructively with, with Dublin and with Brussels and the European Union generally. President Macron, in fact, the Liz Trust went to this meeting of the, this new European political community in Prague last, last week. It was a real sign of goodwill, I think. Talks seem to be going well between the British government and the Irish government. So, yes, it does look quite likely, I think, that there's going to be a deal. Whether the DUP are prepared to go back into the executive before the 28th of October deadline for new elections, we'll see. But that is certainly a, a, an area of hope. And, you know, that if you are going all out for growth, then getting that Northern Ireland protocol issue sorted is absolutely vital because that unlocks a few other things. For example, American investment in Northern Ireland, but also um, British participation in something called Horizon, which you probably know is this um, European research and science program, which the UK has been asked to take part in, but currently is blocked out from. I mean, that's another important issue for growth. So just having better relations with the EU and with Ireland actually is a positive thing. So that's one of the more positive things that's come out of uh, the first few weeks of this justice government. Yeah, I suppose when, when, when she walks in or her representatives of her government walk in for the next set of protocol negotiations, they are weakened, I suppose, because they're desperate for a deal, I suppose. So the EU, the Irish government, etc., you know, cynically might say, well, we can take a little bit of advantage here because she's desperate for some good news which just tilts the tilts the, mm. the relationship a little bit, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I mean, look, she's under huge pressure economically at home, but also from the Americans as well, who've um, been absolutely clear, Joe Biden, that he wants this, this sorted out through negotiations. So she's under a lot of political and economic pressure to do, to do a deal. Yes, it look, makes it look a bit weak. Yes, you'll get some criticism from the DUP and also, I presume, from some of the right-wingers right in her own uh, party. 
But in the end, this is an issue which has got to be resolved. And you can't, you can't really afford to be fighting on all fronts of your list. No. To get loggerheads with... with, with and even Arch... Uh, yeah, even, yeah. Ar- even Arch Brexiteer Steve Baker seems happy to, to get a deal out of the table at this stage. So you never know uh, if, if he's in favour of it. That is a big surprise. For now, we let you go. George Parker is the political editor of the Financial Times. On the Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.